éléments, la difficulté même de l'entreprise. Writing a story isn't something that you do artificially, just inventing a character and various events. You put your whole being into it. Tintin in Tibet really reflects what was going on in Hergé's life at that point. He was wondering what to do. He was in love with someone else, but at the same time he didn't want to make Germain unhappy. And in a certain way we can read Tintin in Tibet in that light. Tintin is certain that he can find his friend Chang alive. And that's the pretext for a battle against the elements. And ultimately, he has to go beyond his own limits. Can one be a dropout and still be responsible? Is there a difference between dropping out and escapism? There is tremendous difference between the two. Escaping out is an act of cowardliness. Because you could not face the situation. You could not find guts enough to encounter whatever was the situation. You escaped. You sewed your back out of fear. The escapist will never be able to forgive himself. How he can forget that he has been cowardly? Religious escapism, the fear of life. Escapism is the very opposite of liberation. From approval addiction, overcoming your need to please everyone by Joyce Meyer. Escapism. Escapism is another result we see among people with a fear of rejection. They create their own pleasant world through daydreaming. There is nothing wrong with a healthy daydream or two, but living in a pretend world to escape from the real one is a sign of real mental and emotional problems. From breaking out of homeostasis, achieve mind-body mastery and continue evolving when others stagnate by Ludwig Sundström. The path of least effort is therefore escapism. The escapism and instant gratification that so many people indulge in eventually becomes unconscious and instinctive. It starts out with a vague reason, to kill time, perhaps, and soon gathers its own momentum. Then they keep doing it for no reason at all. Most people can't read books. Not because they're too dumb to do it, but because they haven't acquired the taste for reading. They're too ingrained with watching TV, browsing the internet, and taking in information in ways that require less mental effort. Reading rarely provides those quick dopamine spikes that TV, internet, or social media gives you. You need to actively concentrate to do it, it's higher up neocortex hierarchy of effort than many people are used to. For example, many highly successful people got addicted to the right sort of stimuli early in life, and just kept chasing it. The right sort of stimulation is one that's making you curious and concentrated. Making you scared and uncomfortable. 
making you reflect and solve problems. Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, and Steve Jobs come to mind. They all went to great lengths to keep their brains activated from a young age, and never stopped. Edison burnt down his father's barn when he was six years old because he was curious to find out how the fire would spread once it had been initiated. His father took him to the town square and beat him up in public to punish him for this. But that didn't dissuade young Edison from his incessant tinkering with chemistry, later making him half-deaf. In his late teens and early twenties Edison worked as a telegraphist for many different employers in the U.S. He got fired a lot, not because he was bad at the job, he was always the best telegraphist around, but because he kept pulling pranks and doing new experiments, which enraged the tradition-bound ones. The Different Reward Systems of Homeostasis Dwellers and Homeostasis Breakers Homeostasis dwellers and homeostasis breakers have reward systems that are wired very differently, and therefore they derive their daily dosage of stimulation from a different set of activities and actions. Homeostasis dwellers have a crappy reward system, they're constantly craving quick stimulation at the expense e of their attention, their health, their productivity, and their career. Always eager to watch whatever cool things other people are doing, they can't stop themselves from indulging and quickly convince themselves with some compelling narrative. They reward themselves excessively and rarely, if ever, punish themselves. This results in a higher stimulatory threshold. Homeostasis breakers have a productive reward system. They derive their sense of stimulation mainly from work, seeing progress, undertaking challenging activities, novelty and variation, overcoming their fears, and receiving praise from hard-found peers. They know everything counts as a repetition for their reward system. The crappy reward system of a homeostasis dweller addicted to activities that don't serve them at all, probably same since teenage years. High stimulatory threshold due to dopamine addiction and overstimulation. Over-reliant on technology, internet and social media. Unaware of how they've associated actions to rewards. Then compare that to the The productive reward system of a homeostasis breaker. Addicted to activities that help their goals and talents. Deserved rewards and self-punishment when needed. Low stimulatory threshold careful about overstimulation mindful use of technology not going to social media when bored aware of associations and careful about unwanted exposure how long does it take to make the switch if you are not born that way you cannot switch biology if you believe in reincarnation then say a prayer to be better served in the next life lol from buddhism buddhism for beginners a practical guide to spiritual enlightenment by timerello such coping mechanisms generally fall into several categories. 1. Escapism into drugs or alcohol, resulting in antisocial behavior. 2. Escapism into destructive behavior, such as violence or theft because they hurt and therefore want others to feel some of their pain. 3. Escapism into religion, which provides meaning for their pain and suffering. 4. Escapism into nihilism, the idea that life is meaningless or that all existence is a delusion as a way of either negating their feelings or in an attempt to disempower their feelings, and 5. Escapism into depression or insanity, since life is too much and their only way of coping is by surrendering to their feelings and shutting themselves off from the world. Coping mechanisms that victims of trauma engage in. More positive examples include 1. Accepting suffering as a learning opportunity. 2. Accepting suffering as an opportunity for change. 3. Accepting suffering as a tool for introspection. 4. Accepting suffering as a means of growing stronger, and 5. Accepting suffering as inspiration for expression, artistic or otherwise. Hey, you stupid Christians, 
maybe one day you will understand the myth of suffering in Christ. From the Golden Sequence, a manual for reclaiming our humanity by Johnny Pollard, Escapism. Escapism is the relentless pursuit of pleasure through devices of external, and often instant, gratification. This gratification can momentarily suppress the fear, anxiety, and pain we feel, particularly when that fear, anxiety, and pain comes from a belief that we don't have the capacity to meet the challenges of our lives. Our lack of confidence and capability stem from our disconnection from the deeper truth of our power as human beings. These devices of instant gratification are generally not very good for us, as they tend to suppress our sensitivity to our needs and the needs of others in the present moment. Our methods of escapism are varied. Some binge on food, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, TV, exercise, gambling, social media, or shopping. Others overwork to avoid life outside of it, or obsess over the way they look or ways to become more famous. The list goes on and on. The common theme is that all forms of escapism attempt to use things outside us to either fill a void inside or soothe our internal feelings of being overwhelmed and inadequate, without addressing the cause. 2. Blame. The second way we distract ourselves is through blame. Blame is an attempt to quell our pain and anxiety, when we can't escape them anymore, by putting the responsibility for the way we feel on something outside ourselves. Blame is the same process. To escape reality, then to glorify ourselves. The religious are masters in this, always pretending to be better. From Undefeated, Russia's most notorious rape and abduction crime by Karsten Graf and Katya Martinova. Escapism is engaging yourself in an activity that takes you away from reality. As I tell my story, I realize how escapism became my most important resource for my survival. Almost everything that I did in the dungeon was in some way or another connected to escapism. When Victor gave us magazines and books, I engaged myself deeply in stories about love or light romance novels. I didn't just read these stories but lived on each page of the books. Through them and through the memories of my relationships with my family, I kept my faith in the existence of mutual love and passion between a man and a woman. This helped me to remember that Victor was not a representative of the male gender, while also reinforcing the fact that sex did not have to be rooted in disrespect, violence, abuse, and suffering. Another activity that helped me to keep my faith in romance and love was connected to my writing. Before captivity, I had never had the urge to write. But in the process of keeping my mind engaged in something based on real emotions, I started writing poems. Most of them were dedicated to my family, but some were also trying to depict my memories of nature. In a few of my poems, I tried to write about my romantic dreams for the kind of love that results from a strong relationship between a man and a woman. By the end of our nightmare in the dungeon, I had written more than 300 poems. It's funny, and shows how the West is the opposite of esoteric knowledge, in this rape that has lasted a long time, the person runs away. Whereas, the healthy position is to face the crudity of a reality. That is, in her case, I am sequestered by a sexual pervert, who is going to rape me multiple times through the week's months. And I'm alone to defend myself. The only way, to face reality, is to look it in the face. The more you isolate yourself from reality, the more your strength will diminish. Because strength is located in the mind. You're using the mind for fear. So logically the mind will produce fear. It seems that only a small part of the population can be initiated, the rest are daydreaming. And, as we have seen with COVID, the Western population is dreaming and does not want to face reality anymore. It has moreover passed the state of zombification. This population fantasized about its own death whereas this virus is harmless for a healthy population. The eternal gap between the Westerner and the reality, if we compare with the Asian, 
I have always said that reality is more beautiful than all those people who run away from it. These are the people who turn the daily life into hell. For those interested. The awakening is in there. When you have burned all the resistances of this body, there comes the awakening. But first you have to wear down all the resistances. And it is painful and long, years, decades. All the mystics have said so. From Zen Essence, The Science of Freedom by Thomas Cleary. One of the most attractive illusions of modern times has been the popular myth that freedom can be gained and safeguarded simply by appropriately designed systems of organization and government. That is why all modern states are maternalist. We saw it with the COVID recently again. While one system may prove more effective than another under given conditions, nevertheless the fact remains that people still create and operate the systems, making individual human development critical to any process of social improvement. The collectivists, these people who are afraid, always want more states. And we have seen in the 20th century, what it gave. Emphasis in Buddhism on individual liberation, even in schools whose express aim is collective liberation, has given rise to the misconception that it is a socially passive, even escapist, religion. While passivism and escapism are well-documented corruptions of certain practices, these attitudes are far from the spirit of Buddhism. Importance is placed on the common we leave in in the schools that focus primarily on individual liberation, the liberation of individuals is seen as an integral part of the welfare of society. Not the other way around. According to Buddhist teaching, even a simple act of generosity is not really genuine as long as it is tainted by personal feelings, even the desire to give or the satisfaction of giving. This is not understood by all religious people, who in order to escape reality, boast of their actions. Buddhism confronts the individual and society as a whole with the problems of self and mind, and does not allow for escapism, whether that escapism be by nihilism and quietism, or by immersion in movements that provide people with ready-made ideas, activities, and interests in which the devotee can forget the self. Buddhist literature contains many warnings about the seductive delusions presented by these attempts to avoid t. He questions of self, mind, and true reality. From Beyond Words Daily Readings in the ABCs of Faith by Frederick Beekner. Escapism Religion has often been denounced as escapism, and it often is. To deny the prevalence of pain in the world and the perennial popularity of evil. To abdicate responsibility for them by assuming that God will take care of them very nicely on his own. To accept them as divine judgment upon the sins especially of other people. To dismiss them or to encourage others to dismiss them by stressing the promise of pie in the sky. To pretend like a forest lawn cosmetologist that there's no such thing as death. To maintain your faith by refusing to face any nasty fact that threatens it. These are all ways of escaping reality through religion and should be denounced right along with such other modes of escape as liquor, drugs, TV, or any simplistic optimism such as jingoism, right-wing evangelicalism, moralism, idealism, and so on, which assume that if everybody would only see it our way, evil would vanish and all would be sweetness and light. From Beginning Game Graphics by Harry Every Escapism An important aspect of role-playing is escapism. Movies, books, television, and theme parks all provide outlets for escapism. They offer audiences an opportunity to momentarily forget reality. Audiences are mentally transported to an alternative reality with its own rules, limits, and opportunities. Games are extremely powerful instruments of escapism. They offer players the chance to escape to another location another time, another universe, and even into another body. Game artists are responsible for designing rich and enticing alternate realities into which players wish to escape. To support escapism, a game world must seem consistent and immersive. 
the player should feel that they are completely surrounded by the game's virtual environment. A more controversial aspect of escapism can be seen in many games. Games can allow players to escape the bounds of society's rules and morality. As a character in a fictional world, you are free to do many things you would never do in reality. To cut off their senses. Desensitizing is the psychological process of making a person or animal less affected by a particular stimulus by repeated or prolonged exposure to that stimulus. This is the goal of those who seek to cut themselves off from reality, to cut off their senses. From Global Marketing by Sven Hollinson. Escapism. Escapism can be defined as a tendency to escape from daily realities or routines by indulging in daydreams, fantasies or entertainment that provides a break from reality. Escapist activities are those that involve a high degree of both involvement and intensity, and are clearly a central feature of much of luxury consumption and lifestyle experiences, often connected to the fitness trend. This is clearly evident in the luxury too, tourism and hospitality sector, with the growth of specialized holiday offerings, in which customers are closely involved in co-creating their experiences. In conclusion, Whereas traditional marketing frameworks view consumers as rational decision-makers focused on the functional features and benefits of products, experiential marketing views consumers as emotional beings, focused on achieving memorable experiences. Finally, the more a company engages all five senses in the creation of a customer experience, the more effective and memorable it can be. From the Brain Show, Behind the Scenes, What is Going on Inside Our Brain While We Are Living Our Life by Zeev Nitsan. The Infomania tirelessly longing for new information, is also a type of escapism that puts our brain resources in the hands of the ever-changing world manifestations. The need for escapism causes many of us to wallow in the universe of news, which is created and destroyed momentarily, and this is the secret of newspapers and the news flashes on TV, radio, or internet. The frequent shifting of glances toward routine nuisances, which flash in our mental field of vision now and again often prevents us from gazing inquiringly at the core manifestations of reality. The compulsive occupation with everyday nuisances, which consume our time and energy in an attempt to float in the whirlpools of the sea of life, prevents us from focusing on the fundamental issues. It seems that our tendency to focus on the essential issues is higher when we rest under the coconut trees in the oasis of our imagination. What is funny is that it is the Westerners, sellers of modernity, who are unable to manage it. Maximal assimilation in the present, detached from past scars and concerns about the future, is an effective escapism approach. Children have a natural ability to experience the present with their entire being, when they are immersed in play, for example. This natural thing is lost with age. The majority fall asleep with life, and will never wake up again, becoming literally zombies. From the Economics of Addictive Behaviors Volume 3, The Private and Social Costs of the Abuse of Illicit Drugs and Their Remedies by John Joshua. Epicurus, who was an ancient Greek philosopher who lived from 341 to 271 BC, also argued that a state of anxiety is the greatest destroyer of happiness. This is the goal. This state of anxiety is the natural state, wanting to escape it through mental activity will gradually over the years, destroy this biology. I reinforce what I said earlier, liberation as told by the mystics, consists of facing reality. Facing the reality. The more you face it, the less it will weigh on you and the stronger your essence, the more you will learn about yourself, the stronger it will be. Escapism Escapism is the relentless pursuit of pleasure through d emphasis of external, and often instant, gratification. This gratification can momentarily suppress the fear, anxiety. It's the perdition of the religious, who immediately relapse as soon as a new difficulty appears. From Fallacy of Militant Ideology, 
Competing Ideologies and Conflict Among Militants, The Muslim World in the West by Munir Masood Marath, The Failure of Rational Knowledge Leads Humanity Towards Escapism Instead of Confronting the Questions Regarding the Meaning of Life. On the other hand, democracy and its system, has inserted a dose of irrationality in life, because the majority of people are not rational. Hence, the purpose to avoid democracy as a mode of government. And to let a self-confident elite run things. But I don't see how the West will ever be able to take this step, step away from the ancient thought, step which has led it to its perdition. The true trap of modernity is in its subversion of reality. Truth has become relative to the popular narrative and can shift meanings throughout the course of a single day. No longer must we face our lives or the world we've created around ourselves. This is the lost century. An age abandoned by its own generation, with rank-and-file desertion of reality behind escapist lines where fantasies harbor fugitives from the shackles of their own existence. There is a great struggle within the soul of the West and within all of its lost children. The affliction is nothing new. Nietzsche saw its symptoms at the waning of the 19th century. The traditionalists saw the sickness spreading in the first half of the 20th, although I believe the initial infection took root a millennium ago and is only recently becoming terminal. We are self-destructing, and the pain of existing through the death throes of this once great civilization are jarring to the senses and lethal to the psyche. We are a land and a people possessed by an intolerable friction of who we were and what we've become. This crisis of identity has deteriorated into a dangerous dissociative disorder with all sides warring for control of the diseased body. A side product of this derangement is our masochistic preoccupation with our own extermination through castration, importation, denigration. Our latest and perhaps last dalliance into this obsession being that of suicide by proxy. Who wouldn't dream of escaping the terrible consequences of our time? It is little wonder that many choose the blue pill and slip blissfully back into willful ignorance, carefully draped in denial. It seems that many, perhaps most, would rather pick a pleasant lie than a frightening truth. Ragnarok can wait. So how do we outrun ourselves? Our bodies are confined by time and space, but the intellect knows no such bounds. The escape you seek is not physical, but mental. Individualized new realities are carefully crafted for the consumer, meeting all the necessary requirements of the current popular narrative, delivered straight to your phone. We are held transfixed by our electronic flashing screens of light and sound that promise us diversion from our destruction. The insufficiencies and mockeries of our daily life becoming a minor annoyance when compared to our virtual existence. It's easier that way. Our lives have become more simulation than substance, as the fiction we've descended into becomes our personal fact. 
How fitting that the most insidious and ubiquitous seduction of our modern world is that of on-demand escapism. The ability to psychologically check out of this reality and to outsource your mental faculties wholesale in order to escape the pain or boredom of the present moment. To make believe like children do, although I would argue that adults are far more adept at the art of denial. We know intrinsically how utterly degraded and dysfunctional our lives have become. Otherwise, why seek constant distraction from it? TV, video games, social media, and worst of all, porn, are all our vehicles of evasion, sweeping us out of our present discomfort and into dopamine-inducing diversions. The stress of living in this age of decline has shaped us into addicts who turn to habitual escapism to cope. No different than the alcoholic or junkie. We've just got better stuff because it's cheap and legal and our fix doesn't rot the teeth or poison the vein. Only the brain decays. A drug is classified as any substance that causes a change in an organism's physiology or psychology. All of these technological escapist avenues that we use to hide from life hook you by delivering unwarranted and unearned spikes of dopamine. They're designed specifically to dole out small timed hits to keep you strung out on their platform as long as possible because attention is revenue. The brief superficial pleasure floods the pathways of your brain's reward centers with this neurotransmitter, reinforcing the behavior, whether beneficial or otherwise. In time, we are rewired to seek the fleeting at the expense of the tangible, and the superficial at the expense of the profound. The decline of the West is directly proportional to the decline in ourselves. Civilizations are made up of individuals and are only as good as their constituents. The state we've let our society descend into is emblematic of our own failures. Cultivated impotencies that have allowed us to settle for foreign manipulation and internal bastardization. We, as a people, have become less than. We are weak of mind, body, and worst of all, will. A severance of the ties that bind us to our sickness of denial and complacency is our only chance. We must face the gravity of our current situation with an absolute refusal to back down or look away. The point of this pretentious exhortation is not to uniformly demonize entertainment. It is to rise you to the realization that it has become a crutch enabling you to cripple yourself in the abject refusal of reality. That is the danger of escapism. The ability to turn a blind eye towards everything within and around you. All the while, the world burns. Aggressive escapism is a systematic denial of life itself in favor of fictional constructs and artificial frameworks. But denying reality doesn't negate it. It strengthens it by allowing its perversions to metastasize unabated. Thus is the state of the Western world 
as we enter into our death throes, the people who should be most invested in its future are playing pretend. Escapism is an illusion. You can't exit this except through the cold veil of death. So what will your mark be? Will your legacy be the glory of your triumph or the ashes of your failure? Despite all of this, I do believe that all is not lost, no matter how deep we descend into the Kali Yuga. A great spasm of rebirth, excellence, and spiritual fortitude is within our grasp, if only we'd reach out and take it. But that would take discomfort and discipline. That would take systematically combing through each of your virtual vices and cutting them loose one by one until finally you are forced to confront yourself. Roman emperors in the later stages of the failing empire, a decline which should feel all too familiar, would use free food as well as spectacle to placate the public against the unraveling disaster at their door. At the time, the poet Juvenal, disgusted with his fellow Romans, accused his kinsmen of selling out for bribes of bread and circuses. Are we not doing the same? Pouring ourselves out for another hit of dopamine and a new shiny novelty to fidget with. I guess it's easier then.